Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. I'm your host for today. My name is Doug Bonham. I'm editor of Silicon Sasquatch out in Japan, and I am joined today by Nick Cummings. Howdy, hey. From Seattle, and Aaron Thayer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This time he's from an iPad in the Oregon coast, which is a place I would much enjoy being right now. Yes, I'm burning up my data to be here, so uh, everybody should feel very fortunate about that. Yep. We do. We're glad to have you back. Today, um, well, what are we going to talk about today? There's been one game that's kind of swept the consciousness pre-E3 since its release, and that, surprisingly enough, is not only a Nintendo game, but it's the eighth iteration of a Nintendo franchise. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 has come and become kind of a firestorm on the internet. And we have our own small little sordid tale to throw into this as well. So I want to set the scene first um, to tell you that for our editorial purposes and just because we're a group of five friends who love to talk about games with, you know, one another, we have a group on Facebook and we send messages back and forth. And usually it's stupid things and sometimes they get published or lead to good articles or good podcast ideas. In this group, there was discussion this past week about Mario Kart 8. And seeing as Aaron has a Wii U, Aaron, you have the game, correct? I do. Did you get it first day? I think you did. Yeah, uh, Megan, my girlfriend, she actually pre-ordered it a while back. Very excited for it. And technically the Wii U is hers. So she's been more of the champion <laughs> for the console in our house than I have been, but I've come around to love it. And yes, Mario Kart 8 is pretty awesome. Yeah. So Aaron picks up the game on day one. He and his girlfriend play, and he's like, hey, guys, this is really good. This kind of echoes what reviews have been for Mario Kart 8. Enter scene from stage left. Nick. Nick, you also have a Wii U, correct? Yes. And you've been a bit of a champion for it, saying, come on, you guys, it's not as awful as you guys say, right? I mean, it's more of a, a molder, <laughs> I want to believe kind of thing for me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I... There, I'm looking at like six games on my shelf right now, and mm -hmm. each one of those has been a lot of fun. Like I've had a a very good hit to miss ratio with the device compared to anything else. So, which is kind of typical for Nintendo historically, anyway. But I don't know. It's a company that you know. I I think we all have some uh, some deep feelings for in the sense of like we want it to, to succeed, and uh, if nothing else, I want good games to get recognized. So. But yeah, you could say that as a, you know the only current-gen console I own, I have kind of a stake in seeing some good stuff come out for it. Yeah. We've talked about Nintendo's trials and tribulations during uh, previous podcasts and other episodes the last year and over the during this year, 2014, as well. So our feelings for Nintendo are well-known. Um, we kind of question... We as a group, as a whole, myself and Tyler especially, question the... Uh, ability of the Wii U to catch on as well as the Wii or the GameCube did, but everybody wants to see Nintendo's games and Nintendo do well, come out with interesting, crazy ideas. Now, enter Nick and your opinion of Mario Kart 8 circa one week ago. This game looks like every Mario Kart ever. <laughs> I don't care if it's faster and prettier. Like, this game is broken, it's all about rubber band AI. There's no, the, the illusion's gone, man. The, 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 the daydream is over. It was very much and, a comic book guy from The Simpsons mentality. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt like him. I felt like I had a really scruffy kind of neck beard. It was <laughs> a strange kind of out of body oh. experience. But no, I, I just, I don't know. 
I, I'm the kind of guy who never had anything against Mario Kart. I had the Super Nintendo game. I had the 64 version. I had the Game Boy Advance one. But then sometime around then, I just sort of stopped caring. I think it might have been just too many, like, bad college parties, Mario Kart 64, and, like, just terrible alcohol. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I the series kind of went through some strange turns with Double Dash on GameCube and uh, whatever the DS version was, which I guess was actually pretty good, but I never played it. So yeah, I don't know. I've been kind DS. of yeah. I've been far removed for a while from all this stuff, and uh, I just couldn't see myself wanting to buy another Mario Kart game. I figured they just you know the spark for me, blue or orange or what have you, was gone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a fair argument to make. It's kind of redactive to say, oh, it's another Mario Kart game, but at the same time, like it's it's not something brand new. It doesn't necessarily look like it's making too great of usage of the Wii U's unique features and at the same time Nintendo had a very early release um, and review um, schedule for the game so reviews came out 10 days two weeks before the game was on stores which actually worked out for its favor because it helped build buzz in that way and you you could then also be redactive and say oh people in games journalism love Nintendo games and Mario Kart's kind of a fun game so yeah it's good it's it's more of the same. The drum beat keeps marching on. It's an it's a Mario Kart game. It's fun, you know. That's not really a surprise. Except, except, so except it's damn good. Yeah. At some point later in the week, Nick also asks, uh, "Should I invest in Mario Kart or should I get a PS4 maybe or something?" I'm like, my my thought my thought at that point was, "Go for diversity. You're not sold on Mario Kart. You want to get another system eventually. If you get the chance to pick it up sooner than later, no big deal." But what do you do, Nick? I talked to my girlfriend, and ah. we were like, we can play Mario Kart and have some fun with it, because it's way better than playing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. And there is just nothing pre-E3 announced for PS4 that someone with a gaming PC really has any need to pick up a new console. So yeah. I, we, we just kind of figured, you know, Nintendo has a good track record. I've had a lot of fun with other games on the platform. I'm still playing Super Mario 3D World every couple of weeks just to try and mob up more stars, so... I didn't see any harm in it. Uh, we kind of yeah. just took a leap of faith. And also something that happened between your first dismissive posts and your eventual purchase of the game is, I'm sorry, gentle listeners, we like to keep this very clean on our Silicon Sasquatch podcast, but I need to drop a one of George Carlin's dirty words, that fucking Luigi death stare. I got burned by it today. Oh, oh my God. It's, so it's become a meme in and of itself. So yeah, it is a meme, and it might actually be for a certain group of people like us, maybe the biggest deciding factor in whether or not to pick up this game, <laughs> which is crazy. But I it, don't think you're joking when I'm you not. say that. It's hysterical. You, yeah. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it yet, we'll attach one. We'll attach a picture or a link on this podcast file on our website. You have to see it. Like people have made um, vines or short videos or YouTube clips that set um, the Luigi death stare, which happens when you deflect or you use an item. So like a red shell or I've seen it where he blocks a red shell. Yeah. And uh, people are setting these to like gangster rap at appropriate points. And it's hilarious to see this kind of a very pretty Wii U game. And I think um, this is from replay mode specifically. Like a lot of these gifts are from when you're watching the replay after the game or after a race has ended to see that, like this bright, cheerful Nintendo uh, viewscape, like the backgrounds and the design of the game 
compared with Luigi's stank face, compared with like Ludacris's move bitch. Like this is all a wonderful combination of hilarious, stupid things. My favorite might be uh, the writing dirty. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So so what happened here was Nintendo, in an unexpected move, decided to package in a YouTube uploader with this game, and this little kind of very bare bones but serviceable video editing function that lets you choose like the length of the clip and what you want the AI to focus on, and it kind of creates a highlight reel for you, and then you can just mm-hmm. easily upload to YouTube, um, and it just sort of does its thing. So what this has done is, I think. I think what makes this so uh, like outstanding is that you know there have been other console games that have video uploading or even outright streaming, especially on the new consoles. But it's never Nintendo's never gone into this territory before, and it's kind of amazing to see content creation to be shared on a different platform like this, yeah. especially in the game that you know there are great Mario Kart moments, but there are things that have always been confined to with your friends at a party or you know at your house or something, and it's never been like. This ridiculous ass moment where something happened, and I'm gonna put it on the internet for everyone to see. Yeah, that's the definitely spectacular thing about the replay mode in eight is it makes you want to share it compared to a lot of the modes in racing games, particularly yeah. for me. A lot of the stuff that happens, it's pretty cold, you know. But at least if I'm racing uh, in Forza or whatever, and I beat uh, AI, it doesn't really seem that impressive to me to upload but having a funny moment with these nintendo characters that we have expectations of how they are and then seeing luigi just give that death stare to baby peach for no reason it just (laughs) it's it's so hilarious like you guys have been saying that you you have to immediately share it and that's why it's become this meme the last week just this huge meme and it's hilarious every time and sure it will probably burn out but uh, like Nick's talking about, the rudimentary YouTube sharing is awesome, and it's a very Nintendo way of doing it, too. So I'm I'm glad that they've made these small changes. And it's stuff like this that I think it really will change people's minds on the Wii U. Yeah. And it's not just a meme that's, lo- like, individualized within uh, games either, because Mario Kart is such a crossover title, because it's such a big title. Um, it's sold millions, tens of millions of units worldwide. So it's a very mainstream game and it's gotten mainstream attention. Like I follow a ton of people who write about sports in the sports blogosphere, if that's still a thing that exists. And one of the images I saw last night, um, we're recording this podcast on the Friday, um, Friday and from myself, Saturday, June, June 6th and 7th. And the first game of the NBA finals included, uh, LeBron James getting severe cramps because the air conditioning had broken in the uh, in the arena where the Spurs and the Heat were playing. So now there's also a million can't beat the Heat uh, terrible headlines out there as well. But somebody made an image where it's Tim Duncan looking back towards the <laughs> Heat bench with the Luigi death stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this thing has it's... made local news and yeah. Fox News and just... It... It, it has blown up like you're talking about. It's, it's crazy. Let's talk about this for a second because I believe listening to other podcasts and listening to other people talk about it this week as well, Like, it looks like every different character in the game has a kind of different reactions and different emotions and different kind of emotive responses on their faces when things happen. Like Everybody has an animation that happens when they hit somebody with an item yeah. or when they get past somebody or when they get hit by something. But what makes the Luigi one so good? I think it's 
So his stare, I'm I'm looking at the psychology of it. It has to be just all this pent up rage of being the second fiddle to Mario since the '80s. Like he literally, uh, maybe he's still pissed about the whole Luigi's Mansion thing and being scared half to death. Like I don't know, but having him angry just seems to fit somehow. <laughs> Especially if you look at the year of Luigi and yeah. what that meant yeah. for Nintendo's <laughs> bottom line. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, an image that we've seen that that's been making the rounds as well is, uh, the year of Luigi is just effing starting yeah. <laughs> yeah. as in like this, this is the fifth Reich or something stupid like that. I don't know if it's, um, if the meme itself will maybe, maybe it will sell, but what was it? Uh, in the UK, the Wii U hardware sales were up 666% already just from the launch. And it was the sec- the second best launch for Mario Kart title in, in the franchise history. Yeah, even wow. considering the small number of consoles sold comparative to the Wii, that's crazy. That that's a huge attach rate for people who own the Wii U. So clearly, it's a game that Wii U owners are going to buy. But at least in the UK, and sure, I'm sure the numbers were so small that 600% is a, is not that much. But um, the fact that it's going to drive some console sales is awesome. So they need to take this momentum and really build off of it, and hopefully we'll see that at E3 this year. Yeah. Yeah, um, we can kind of segue this from a Mario Kart discussion to broader topics as well. This is, like you said, 600,000 might be moving from 10,000 units to 60,000 units, but one way or it's probably not that small, but one way or another, it's moving the needle. It's getting interest into the Wii U. And do you guys, as Wii U owners, think we're at the point where, like the classic Nintendo tipping point, where there's enough Nintendo games that are really good quality of the system to make it worth the investment. I'll let you go first, Nick. Sure. Uh, I think for the people who have always owned Nintendo systems, uh, there's enough out there at this point that I feel comfortable with the investment I made. It's still a good deal cheaper than a PS4 or an Xbox One. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of up to you. I mean, like, Wind Waker mm-hmm. HD is a beautiful and very well-done update to a classic mm-hmm. game. It's not just a reskin. Uh, that being said, in terms of original games that are must-own, I'd say there's Mario 3D World, Mario Kart. Uh, I think Pikmin 3 is so underappreciated, but that yeah. could be that just that I haven't played the other two games in a very long time. Uh, but I think that after E3, um, and really by the end of the year, Smash Brothers could be another one of those games that's really just, you know, really does a lot for the console staying power. And selling power. Yeah. But with, with rumors of things like the most recently, uh, there's a screenshot that leaked out from supposedly E3 showing a banner for a game called Mario Maker. And if that is real, then I think that we could be on the trajectory for something really cool happening with Nintendo soon. Do you think right, that's Aaron? a, yeah, the Mario Maker, I heard that. I was wondering if it's going to be a little big planet type thing, but mm. whatever. Well, the the it image is. shows like a stylus over a screen of, Classic NES Mario Brothers uh, sprites. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, God. Mario Paint 2.0. <laughs> um, yes. I second everything Nick said uh, as far as specific games and whether or not they're enough to justify the purchase. I would absolutely say yes, but you do have to have that predilection to being a Nintendo fan. So that's kind of my statement is if you're a nintendo fan there's no reason you shouldn't pick up the console if you've been waiting you don't need to wait um i would add donkey kong country tropical freeze on there i haven't played the full game uh, entirely i don't have it yet but i've played enough of it back at pax and then uh, subsequently 
to say it's great. And honestly, yeah, it, it would be good. And it's a great game. And that's still probably better than a lot of the third party stuff coming out on the other consoles, not to sound trollish, but I mean, really, uh, I mentioned this on the Facebook group when Nick was having uh, kind of a debate on going PS4 or getting Mario Kart 8. Um, like he said, there's really nothing pre-E3 that's coming out towards the end of the year that's exclusive to consoles aside from Destiny, which, you know, maybe that's yeah. great. Uh, and that's current-gen consoles as well. Exactly. And I know I'll pick it up on PS4 because I have one, but I don't think it would have sold me on a console at all. Right. Um, Infamous Second Son is really good, but again, I wouldn't have bought the console just for that. Uh, I'm enjoying Watch Dogs on PS4, but I could have gotten that on my PC. So mm-hmm. the PS4 is pretty barren. Xbox One, pretty similar, even if it has some other exclusives. I really am glad to have a Wii U. And if I hadn't bought one at this point, I think right now would have been a great time to jump on. Yeah. Okay, so, and and also... From my own personal standpoint, and also you have to think about context too. Nick doesn't necessarily need a PS4 or an Xbox One right now because he just invested into PC gaming hardware. Mm-hmm. Aaron got a PS4 in a kind of flush with with cash moment, but also you're hardcore enough. I mean, we're running a video game website. You're gonna get one of these eventually as well. I'm I've a casual Nintendo fan. I have a 3DS and a couple of games, and I've enjoyed Nintendo stuff for a long time. But I think now, like there's enough games to make that purchase justifiable. So I think I might end up with one before the end of the year. Also partially because it's a lot cheaper than getting a PS4. I have a PS3 and a huge backlog of games. That's going to get me through this uh, summertime and fall Mm -hmm. when I might not have as much money to invest in other stuff. And when the PS3 generation exclusives are going to start drying up, but maybe after that, you know, pick up a Wii U and then start collecting the, you know, Mario World and getting Mario Kart and this other stuff that's also kind of friendly for people who aren't super serious about gaming to play as well. Yeah. I think uh, the one thing I would add to all this uh, is that it's Nintendo has built a name on really creating not just great single player games, but on great local multiplayer games that you can play with your family yes. and friends. Mm-hmm. That is still, by by and large, the biggest selling point for this console. Um, I don't think you're going to find a better collection of accessible, fun, and replayable uh, games to play with friends uh, on any other console at this point. You've got some and, great stuff on PS4, like Towerfall and Sports Friends and all these things, and those are great fun too, but I think that it's fair to say that they're a little more niche in general than um, yeah. the stuff Nintendo makes. I love those games a lot, but... It's it, a little bit harder sell because it's not a known name. Like you can get people to come around for Mario Kart or Smash Brothers easy because they know what they are. And if they don't, they can be introduced. It's oh, it's it's Mario characters fighting. It's Mario characters racing. It's not a hard, super difficult sell. But like, right? Something like Nidhog really, really interests me. But I think it might be more difficult to get friends on board with it. It take yeah. a little bit of time. They can see how fun it is and how it how it looks, but. It's not the same like instant response as saying, "Oh, let's go with Smash. Let's go play Smash Brothers." Mm-hmm. I'm not even a big Smash Smash Brothers fan either, but I think what they're going to do with that game, including announcing recently a USB powered, uh, yeah. <laughs> basically GameCube controller pack, GameCube controller input set, four GameCube inputs that plug into the Wii U through USB and allow you to plug in WaveBirds or GameCube controllers, basically for Smash Brothers. That's going to be good. Yeah, and that's a huge deal. And the speculation that the uh, press image they leaked for that 
had a GameCube controller with just the Smash Bros. logo on it, not the. Oh, they're GameCube they're working logo. with they're working with somebody to make so new they, GameCube controllers. They are probably sure. USB powered. I'm sure. Okay. It's not Nintendo first party, but they're they're partnering with somebody else to like here take our controller stuff and make it for us, which is awesome. I yeah, I'll, I'll buy one. I have three GameCube controllers. I need a fourth. <laughs> it's, I've got a friend who's got a, a full Wii and GameCube control set, controller set up for Smash Brothers. We were playing it a month or two ago during our fighting game night. Once things got too silly and too, we got all too tired and drunk to be serious, like out came the Smash Brothers, and he's got the Wii. Two wave birds and two GameCube controllers right there for it. So this allows him to take that stuff and just plug it into a new console. Yeah. Let's kind of shift gears from a discussion of that death stare. Let's, let's ratchet our heads around like Luigi and take a look at the future because next week, uh, probably by the time you're hearing this is going to be E3. So let's make some silly predictions for E3 and the rest of the year that are going to be outdated probably very quickly. Um, what do you think? Uh, first, <laughs> let's start with Nintendo, I guess. Let's start with Nintendo. Start there because we've been uh, talking about Nintendo for a good while today. Yeah, I I get the sense that in their uh, desperation right now, based on sales, uh, even before what happened with Mario Kart, and that's not going to you know turn the fortunes around. I'm hoping and maybe highly expecting there to be some sort of. Um, I don't know. I want to say a Metroid announcement or something, maybe even Star Fox out of left field. But I, whatever it is, I bet they will have one big announcement. And I thought that there was a um, rumor or it was them saying it, that there was going to be kind of one big reveal during their 90-minute press conference. Yeah, it's a 3DS mm. game. So that could be something like a Metroid on 3DS. or Oh, you know, man. Because, yeah, on 3DS, that's pretty overstocked with the franchises by now, isn't it? I mean, they've had Zelda, Mario, Animal Crossing, everything on there. Even Star Fox, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what they will put out, but I'm hoping one big Wii U exclusive. Um, I don't know what else to expect, though. What about you guys? I mean, Well, the other tricky part with Nintendo... Well, uh, go first, Nick. Actually, go first. Sure. Well, what you said kind of made me think of the fact that, like, we kind of teased this with the Mario Kart discussion, but, like... I got really excited when you mentioned the possibility of another Metroid game. And it's like, I played every single one of those except for Other M. But, like, you know, yeah. beside the point, like, you know, Mario Kart, this is the eighth game in the series, and I'm just losing my shit at how much fun this game is. Like, it's stupid how much fun I'm having with it. Because, like, so, I don't know. I, I think that we're at a point right now in the industry where there's a lot of pressure to be like, there's new consoles, there should be new franchises. We should really be pushing beyond the Assassin's Creed Uncharted's and all the yeah. stuff that kind of defined the last series. Uh, at the same time, Nintendo has always made a very good point of building on its history and releasing new versions of their games that, by and large, add to the previous without feeling like rehashes. So I think that from an E3 perspective, it'd be interesting to see what tack they take with this. Because I'd love to see a new game from like EAD come out, you know, brand new ideas. I'd even love to see a new Rhythm Heaven on a new console. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes. But at the same time, like, another really good Metroid game, like, there's nothing wrong with another really good version of it, you know, a genre-defining game. Yeah. I think if you're, like, releasing another Tekken tag tournament, that's a little bit less, like, (laughs) you know, cause for celebration. But, like, something that defined an entire genre, like a Mario Kart, a Super Metroid, uh, things like that. I think that there is definitely going to be a a place for that, for people who, you know, they're kind of like the Star Wars of game 
franchises. Yeah. And I think it um, would be too risky for them to do a bunch of new uh, Nintendo, a bunch of new IP when the Wii U is already struggling. Yeah, I think you're right. Right. Uh, the other two points that I have first to build off of Nick is the one thing Nintendo's always been good at is taking their familiar characters and themes and not just rehashing them in the same way. Like, there's always been good subtle tweaks or good very big tweaks to the franchises metroid has gone from a 2d side scroller to a you know a a 3d first person game while remaining metroid um some of them like mario hasn't changed quite as much but there's still been pretty good subtle shifts to the formula to keep it from being stale even in the ninth tenth eleventh iteration so that's a, a very good point for nintendo to obviously build on and then the other thing for me is e3 is not necessarily the same a point of announcements for them as it would be for other companies because they can right. do a Nintendo Direct in July or at the end of June and we could get a bombshell there instead of right now at E3. That's a They're good not point. quite as beholden to it. They haven't really done any major, major announcements at E3 for at least since the last generation, right? I mean, it's mostly yeah, not infrastructure. Since, like the, since the console announcement. Yeah. Right. That was the last really big one. And then since then... They were dabbling at that point, which was in what 2012. They were dabbling with the uh, with the Nintendo Direct format, but since then they've really solidified it as happens every couple months, and they can be everything from talking about features for a game that's been announced to major announcements of games. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get a couple more between the now and the fall, and we could get your Wii U big title for the year in there, or we could get it at E3 this week. It's kind of up in the air. Yeah, I mean, they are not, it's not unprecedented, I should say. A lot of the uh, smaller publishers, not smaller publishers, but publishers, not hardware makers, just do whatever they want. You'll never see Grand yeah. Theft Auto, or not Grand Theft Auto, but Rockstar, make any huge new IP announcements at E3 anymore. Maybe they'll be up there at a Microsoft conference to announce the next-gen versions of Grand Theft Auto V, but yeah, they can kind of do whatever they want, like Nintendo's doing. Mm-hmm. True. So, yeah, let's kind of shift to the other two major players out there. First, uh, let's talk about, well, flip a coin. Which do you want to go with? I'm thinking Sony, because Sony's kind of taken the lead a little bit here, and they're going to try to build off of the lead that they've established and the uh, kind of the good capital they have in the hearts and minds of serious gamers since the release of the PS4. We're not going to see The Last Guardian. That's what I'm going to say. Yes, we are. <laughs> no, we're not. That game doesn't <laughs> we exist are. yet. <laughs> We're not going to see it. Does. it. And if it yes, does, it does, who gives a shit? I, I yeah, I spent <laughs> like, really? my caring about that game eight years ago. Yeah, what does that game even mean anymore to anybody? Well, it's, it's such an idea. It's the next. It's not fair. It's the next in a series that is only two games long itself that yeah. are very emotive and just unique. And I At think it's time. also kind of a bastion of. It's also kind of a bastion of Japanese development too. Like this is one of the auteurs of Japanese development we can still point to. Sounds like, yeah. I mean, I want it to exist, but I also don't think it's going to meet anybody's expectations anymore. And it's not really fair to the game now. It's just going to come out and go, oh, well, we waited six, seven, eight years for this or whatever. It's just, they should maybe put it out to put it to bed, but maybe we'll have another Duke Nukem situation on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, don't, I, I think the big challenge in front of Sony. Um, sorry, did you want to finish the thought on the last? No, no I was just I, if if we're not going to be silly and 
like stupid and wanting to believe in things like Last Guardian, then I just don't want to do E3 anymore, to be honest. <laughs> I've been yeah. feeling like bowing out for a while, but <laughs> um, I think that the big push on Sony is you're seeing from both sides now, uh, even going into 2015, third parties are really reticent to, and even first parties, look at Forza Horizon 2 coming to the Xbox 360 in addition to Xbox One. Yeah. But people are really reticent to embrace, embrace the new generation as quickly as they did last time. That could be because install numbers aren't climbing as fast as they feel comfortable with, or there's just, you know, too much of a resource investment tied up in going exclusively to a new platform. But I, I think in this case, it's because one of them is continuing with what they've always done, which is Sony, because they've always had a long tail on the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3 having a long tail is no shock. But Microsoft this time is not cutting ties because the Xbox 360 was very, very popular and sold a ton of units around the, especially in the US. Whereas the original Xbox was not something you wanted to have hang around too much. So they cut bait really fast because they weren't losing out on much. This time they'd be cutting off, you know, still a big supply of money and profit. So that's really the difference. It, yeah. It, it will be interesting for Sony to put something out that is going to continue to justify uh, let alone Microsoft, the purchase of the console this year. Because like Nick's saying, there's reticence. And how many of these big titles that were announced for 2014 have been pushed into 2015 now? Um, which yeah, that's that a very true gap. point, though. So I don't... Uh, do you guys think that there will be some announcement of a 2014 game that we didn't see coming? Because that seems very unlikely at this point. It seems incredibly unlikely, uh, especially given everything I've heard from some people in the industry. Yeah, um, the people that I listen to and follow don't don't really think that this year is going to have too many shocks unless if there's some stuff that's really kept hidden for, for this fall and this winter. But at the same time, it's the beginning of the console generation, so you're, I don't know, it's it's difficult. Um, we could see something announced at E3 that becomes like the reason to buy a console this winter, this fall, but it, it's. It's it's looking less likely, and that that's fine with me because I don't want to make that investment quite yet. I guess it's just sad for me because I remember this time uh, eight years ago. God, it was that long ago. Oh God, the first uh, the second winter of the Xbox 360 when Gears of War came out. Yeah, and but, I feel like for mm-hmm. most of us that was probably like the moment that really demonstrated the what the new generation offered that yeah. old consoles couldn't. But at the same time, that I'm trying to do this off of the top of my head. That could not have been announced much earlier than well, it was announced at GDC that year. I don't remember when because it was, but... the previous E3 was right when they officially announced 360. So it's not like it had a year to gestate and then become a title. It was announced in the spring or in the early spring and then it was released that fall. Sure. I'm not talking about the hype. I'm talking about the quality right. of the game. Like of something that defines a new generation because that was what I think a lot of people Perhaps incorrectly, but out of just, you know, blind hope, wanted Watch Dogs to be. It was like this game yeah. that could not have been done on a previous generation console. And I haven't played it. Doug hasn't played it, but I know Aaron has. I Spencer haven't played has. it either, and I don't know if I really want to. And it's uh, it's it's definitely a last-gen game, but it looks really good on the console, PS4. So Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it took until 2007 uh, for Assassin's Creed to come along, for example, on the previous generation and show that things could be different. Or Mass Effect, I think. Mass Effect as well, yeah. Those were in the second year. Yeah, Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, and Galaxy all came out within like a week of each other. And that was like, those were kind of like the showpieces for those consoles at the time. 
And also one yeah. of the, the big, big show pieces from when I bought my 360 was Dead Rising. And that was right. poo-pooed for a long time before it came out. So is that um, what you guys as individuals who don't have the PS4 or Xbox One are waiting for? The big tentpole, big console pushing game or games? Like what is it that will take the or get the interest involved? I can speak for myself and say Go that for like, it. I am, I'm what you call a motivated purchaser. Like, <laughs> I, I, I love this hobby. I want to see these consoles do well. I want to see them be compelling in their own ways. I want to see good competition and I want to see comp- competition in earnest against the PC, right. which I haven't seen yet. And so that's going to take a couple of things. It's going to take exclusive games and exclusive services. And I want to see both those things come out of E3. Like, or if it's not the C3, then it's got to be next year or at some other big event because, uh, you know, I, I, I would be happy to, you know, find a way to buy a new console this year, but I need to know that I'm doing it because I'm going to be experiencing something really cool, really interesting or thought provoking that could not have been done better on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that even if I didn't have a good gaming PC, I would still be looking at this and be like, I probably ought to pick up one of these consoles this year, but I don't know that it really matters which one at this point. Probably PS4, just because overall it seems safer, but I wouldn't be feeling as excited, I think, about things. Yeah. From from my own standpoint, I'm going to be changing jobs and moving this fall, so I have a lot of other real-life costs and things that are going to take up my time. So I'm, uh, just as a matter of principle, tabling any next-gen thoughts until 2015 at the least. Um, and not necessarily late 2015, just like I'm not picking one of these up until at least January, February, March next year, just cause I'm going to have to buy too much other stuff to get my life sorted back out again. Yeah. There's, you guys kind of fall within everybody else. I know who's waiting is it's either just a straight financial life element, which always happens with this sort of, uh, expensive mm-hmm. hobby or like Nick's talking about just there has to be something of intrinsic value. I mean, not everybody is as dumb as me and just buys one blindly, <laughs> but you know, and I don't necessarily regret it. I just have to warn people ahead of time, you know? Yeah, of course. And if, if I was, if I was staying here and had the excess money to buy a PS4, I'd be looking at it too, because there's a lot of interesting stuff on there, or at least there's, you know, the yearly stuff I play, like, the NBA games and the soccer games and all that stuff is going to get moved to the next generation from this year as well. So I might as well do that and have the option to stream it, have the option to upload stuff, have the option to play the next version of it, I guess. Like if I wasn't changing some stuff around this year for my own personal life, um, including moving, like I would, you know, Hey, sure. Why not? Like I can blow money on this. My PS3 is fine. I'll probably keep it plugged in, but you know, I, I can, get a ps4 as well and take advantage of the stuff it's got to offer but at the right at the moment right now it's not feasible so i'm just gonna keep holding out hope that they make me really 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 test myself that's what i'm really hoping for is that they give me that reason to go oh this is really really stupid but i'm gonna do it anyways (laughs) that sounds like how i justify pretty much most of the decisions in my life yeah (laughs) that's pretty spot on (laughs) <laughs> anything else for e3 uh I mean... <laughs> microsoft has turned a corner once again on itself yeah. what the hell is happening 
I I think that's going to be a lot of their focus. Um, they'll probably have a game announcement here or there, but I think it's going to be reestablishing the brand of the Xbox One, Sans Connect, and the Gold Paywall. Yeah, I I do not know if I want to sign myself this and sign up for it, but I will take a look at their talking points from i'll probably just watch the e3 2013 press conference and compare with e3 2014 and just see on on how many points they just completely have done a 180 i think it'd be really interesting to see just how quickly they're turning around their direction for that console and i think it's from a point of confusion we talked about this a few weeks ago with that microsoft specific podcast i i don't know if they know where they're going i think they're they've got a lot of internal disagreements and stuff and they're still they're not going to have stuff out to make this direction change stick until at least next year just because this is all happening really quickly and you can't plan for it that far ahead so it's going to be very very interesting to see if microsoft gets further down in the hole or if they somehow pull something out of their ass at the last minute yeah i agree i uh i think that they have had a really rude awakening with consumer reception of the xbox one and that hundred dollar price difference which is so crucial when you're basically mm-hmm. selling the same games as your competitor mm-hmm. um that yeah a big part of the xbox was this is your multimedia center this is your streaming box this is your tv box now and it's the place where you play all these interactive games using this so awesome and totally responsive we don't know what you're talking about per- peripheral called connect with that gone, they're basically trying to recoup as much lost time as possible to get their console back on par with PS4 in terms of programming performance. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see if they can really sell that new message uh, next week. Yeah, it's it's definitely reminding me of the opposite of the situation was about eight years ago when Sony was scrambling to be like, why, 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 why don't you guys like our system? And Microsoft had a vision and a vigor that was going to upset the Apple cart. Now Sony's got that vision, they've got that plan, and Microsoft's scrambling. So let's see if they can do it. Will there be a giant enemy crab this year? <laughs> that, what, 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 what from last year was their giant enemy crab? Because I'm pretty sure they've already released that into the wild. Uh, what was that? The super cut of them saying television or I think so. sports. I think. <laughs> yeah. Or, or it could be the, well, if people don't want to play a game system online, we have the Xbox 360. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, we shall see how E3 turns out. I don't yep. I have a lot of faith that's going to be anything major, though. I think it's going to be an awkward year while people get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have plenty of other third parties who are going to release God knows what. Who knows how Ubisoft's going to embarrass themselves at their press conference this year? Who knows how Konami's going to embarrass oh, themselves this Konami year? Konami is also always wonderful. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And they've got a they've got one Metal Gear game in the pipe this year, and they've got another one coming out probably next year. So this is going to be fun. Wait, what's in the uh, pipe for this year? Well, they've already released the one. Oh yeah, Ground Zero's already came out. Yep. And we've it's got too bad that happened. <laughs> yeah, we've got Phantom Pain coming out next year. So let's see how they do this one. And EA is sure going to have some sports and maybe some other... They're sure going to have some Battlefield, too. Yeah. As <laughs> maybe some Dragon as... Age information. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's good. All right. Maybe. We're running yeah. short on time. So what's each of us? One game title that they could announce this year that hasn't been announced 
that would make you very, very excited. Maybe not buy a console excited. Maybe not light your pants on fire excited, but very, very, very excited. Uh, Mass Effect 4. Mother 4. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be the one to make this vote in place of Tyler and say Fallout 4. That's going to happen. Yeah. But it so, has not been announced yet, so I can technically make that vote. But see, it's totally getting announced on Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. It's the year of well, the four <clears throat> sequels. Yep. Yeah. And with right. that, we'll see how this actually turns out. E3 is coming, and we're guaranteed to get some embarrassing highlights from press conferences. And for those of us who follow websites, I'm sure there's going to be some drunken shenanigans of people who are in the gaming press and the gaming blogosphere and the gaming uh you know the literati basically let's watch what giant bomb does and let's see how bad these press conferences go this is also good day drinking practice for the world cup so yes ah see it's not day drinking for me because everything is happening very early in the morning in japan that's even better no no that's no it's not (laughs) like 12 hour time difference means the early games kick off at 1 a.m and then the later ones are 5 a.m 7 a.m and 10 a.m Good luck to you. Rough. (laughs) I'm already planning out my time off to watch the America game, the USA games. Nice. All right. And with that, we throw a red shell and give a stank face. Tell everybody where you can find yourselves. Nick. Yeah, I'm at Nick Cummings on Twitter. Um, That's about it. I don't know. I make games sometimes. You can play those if you follow me. Uh, Yeah. Can we say what you just did? Yeah, I just submitted the game to the Space Cowboy Game Jam to, uh, yesterday, I think. Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, it, it's pretty alright. I would love to hear what you think of it. Uh, go to ymog, W-H-Y-M-O-G dot itch dot I-O and you can check it out there. It's pretty nifty. Especially for something that's handcrafted by one of our good friends. Aaron, where can we find you? At Aaron Thayer on the Twitters, uh, I have been tweeting a lot of Watch Dogs stupid pictures lately, so that's something that you can follow me for. But in general, I'm usually on Facebook annoying my friends, so um, that's probably why you don't see me on Twitter that often. Hmm. And I am at Douglas Bonham on Twitter, at Harp or Harper DC on PSN, where I'm currently playing far too much NBA 2K14 since that got put up on PS Plus. Goodbye, rest of my life. And you can find uh, all of us and all of what we do at SiliconSasquatch.com. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends. Please leave a review. Please message us, comment us, whatever you want to do. Get in touch to let us know that you're listening, that you think what we're doing is good, that we think you think what we're doing sucks. Whatever you want to say, we just want to hear some comments. Thank you very much. Good night. Silicon Sasquatch is Nick Cummings, Aaron Thayer, Doug Bonham, Tyler Martin, and Spencer Tordoff. This episode was produced by Nick Cummings, who also happens to be the voice talking to you right now. You can find all our work at siliconsasquatch.com, or you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. As always, thanks for listening.